Hello everybody, my name is Fantasy Hawkeye, and welcome here to episode 2 on, of Sports on Tap with Fantasy Hawkeye. I apologize for the delay, I wish that I'd been able to get an episode out a lot sooner than now, but I uh, had a lot of stuff come up over the uh, last few weeks or so. But today I am back, as I am going to be going through... The Iowa football non-conference play in general, Iowa State's non-conference play in general, and Nebraska's first three games here today. I will also be talking about um, some really interesting news coming out of the NBA that just got re released uh, earlier this week, and uh, my theories on that. And a little bit of an update on my fantasy football team, as well as um, just my thoughts in general about uh, big games that happened both in college and NFL football this these first few weeks. So, let's get into it here. As uh, I talked about before, we're going to go through each Iowa game here in non-conference plays. So, I'm going to start with that here. We played against Utah State, Iowa State, and Western Michigan. We beat all three teams heading into non heading into conference play, excuse me, as we are un the only undefeated team in the Big Ten West. Yet to be here, um, and yet to be here at week four, as there are five teams in the Big Ten East that are still undefeated. And one of them we play in week four. We'll get to that in a moment. But as I talked about here, uh, we'll start with the Iowa State, or Utah State game, excuse me. I was looking at the wrong section of my notes here. <laughs> anyway, Utah State is who we opened up with. 24-14. Um, it was a really good ball game in general, I felt like. Um, but I while watching this game, uh, the defense uh, did not give up a touchdown starting defense despite losing Jack Campbell, Lucas Van Ness, and Kayvon Merriweather, among some other pieces. Uh, the backups gave up one touchdown and a two-point conversion late in the fourth, which made it 24-14. Uh, Cade McNamara threw for two touchdowns over a buck 50. In my opinion, his best game as our quarterback, of course, it was his first game, as our quarterback, brand new weapons, um, really everywhere from a tight end, the wide receiver, to running back. So we're still learning who we are as an offense at this point. Uh, first possession, um, Caleb Johnson takes the kickoff, opening kickoff down the Utah State's 45-yard line, and uh, Seth Anderson, who ran a beautiful route, catches a touchdown on the very first play from scrimmage and. That really, and I really thought that was going to set the tone for the rest of the game, but it really didn't. We uh, scored again on the ensuing possession, made it 14-0. We scored two touchdowns in the first seven minutes of the ball game, and it really didn't do a whole heck of a lot else. Um, took a while to get more traction um, from everyone, and it was uh, a little bit disappointing to watch, actually. The last... Uh, three quarters of that ball game. Uh, like I said, we ran uh, 33, 33 times for only 78 yards in this game. The The running game was not effective in this game at all. 
The passing game was really the only thing that was working on offense in this game. Um, Eric All had some nice plays to transfer out of Michigan, who came over from Mac with uh, McNamara. And uh, this was really, in my opinion, the Seth Anderson immersion in game. You know, he was a transfer from Charleston Southern who came in and he was really the guy for the offense in week one. He came out and made an immediate impact. Did a lot of little things really well. Uh, ran beautiful routes all game long. And I think he's going to be a weapon for years to come for this team. I don't really have a whole lot more to say on the Utah State game at all. Uh, but overall, very good performance. Uh, a lot of things to clean up. A uh, few penalties there were too, but uh, a couple of turnovers as well. But uh, not too much there. As uh, the next game, we... Uh, one second here. Sorry, I had a weird alert pop up on my computer. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so next, we're going to be playing against Iowa. Next, we played against Iowa State. And uh, this game, of course, is our in-state rivalry. We go up to Ames every other... We play uh, Iowa State every year. Uh, very good football game. I thought both teams did a very nice job. Iowa won 20-13. The first team defense allowed two field goals and... One late touchdown in the um, fourth quarter late in the ball game, And we'll get to that in a minute. Because I do have some clock management stuff to talk about here when it comes on the Iowa State side of things that we'll discuss. But for the Hawks in this game, the running game was really effective, I felt like. And uh, Patterson, one of our backup running backs, Jason Patterson, did a very nice job in this game. Had a 60-yard run and had multiple opportunities to break longer runs. Just couldn't do it. Ran for 86 yards and a score. And the other running backs did a complimentary, did a very nice job as well. Uh, McNamara, one touchdown, two interceptions in this game, I believe it was. I don't have the stats up with me right now. I'm trying to do all this from memory. <clears throat> As that's what I'm used to doing. Um, it wasn't McNamara's best game, though. He also didn't even throw for 150 yards. But um, when he was a, but uh, where he was effective, though, it was really nice to see. He made some big third down conversions still, and still completed some very important passes to keep long drives alive during the bowl game and shorten the game up. I want to go back here to the beginning of the game uh, in terms of the highlights of this because in the first drive of the game, Iowa State took the ball down the field and Iowa blocks the ex blocks their first field goal attempt. Now, when it comes to this game, it's the little things like special teams and turnovers that really change this game. And then later on in the game, when Iowa was up 10 to nothing, this was in the second quarter, about midway through, after Iowa went down, this was after the 60-yard run by Patterson, went down and scored, um, Sebastian Castro picks off uh, Becht, uh, 
Rocco Brett back, uh, Iowa State's quarterback, and takes it back for six. That made it 17 nothing. Uh, went to the half 17 3. And uh, Iowa came out and uh, made it 20-3 to later on in the third with another field goal uh, by Drew Stevens. And uh, that, to me, was really... I felt really good at that point in the ballgame. Now, Iowa was up 20-6 to midway through the fourth quarter. It was about seven minutes to go or so. And Iowa State was down by two touchdowns. They had the ball, and they were driving down the field. They get... They got into deep inside Iowa's territory around inside the 30-yard line. Well, people started thinking at that point, okay, they got to hurry up here because it's under four minutes to go. Well, they did not have very good clock management, and they tend to, Iowa State has tended to do this too against Iowa. They had a near seven-minute drive. This drive started with about eight, nine minutes to go. And they took nearly seven minutes to score a touchdown and strike. It was probably about two and a half minutes to go until they scored. On a long, on a fourth and nine, um, one-on-one coverage as Deshaun Lee gave up that lone, lone touchdown from Iowa State. And I'm just looking around like, yeah, they took up way too much time here. Iowa, of course, couldn't get the ensuing, couldn't get the first down in the ensuing possession. They had to kick it away, but uh, we're able to hold Iowa State because on the play-calling side of things, not only were they not going to huddle on that drive, no huddle on that drive, they were huddling, they were taking a lot of time off the clock. They also went in and ran the ball on fourth down and one. No adjustment made. Iowa was crowding everybody. They basically ran goal line. And no adjustment. No no adjustment or anything by Matt Campbell. No adjustment by the court. They just ran the play. And it blew up. And that was the game. So Iowa comes away with the win nonetheless. 20-13. I thought they did a very nice job this game. Uh, overall, uh, my main uh, points were um, running game was effective. And uh, the defense, once again, did a very nice job in their first road test of the season. Especially going up against a rival. You always like to see that. I mean, Phil Parker's defenses have always done a phenomenal job. Year in and year out. Game in and game out. Quarter in and quarter out. Play in and play out. But it's a rivalry game. Things are different. You just, these are things you just like to see. So um, week three was uh, this previous Saturday. I'm recording this on the 21st of September. As we took on Western Michigan. And... Uh, Slow start for the Hawkeyes in this game. Uh, we were down 7 nothing. Jamari Harris came back uh, after a two-game suspension from the gambling investigation, as he did discuss that after the fact that, yes, he was suspended because of the gambling um, situation for the first two games of the season. That's why Deshaun Lee was playing. Anyway, back to it now. Um, he gives up the one touchdown. He gives up uh, the lone touchdown that uh, Western Michigan scored early on in the ballgame. And Iowa just did not look right. Uh, offensive line was very shaky. Uh, McNamara didn't look right at all. Threw an early pick. Uh, things looked like they were going to go downhill. And then uh, one of the strangest uh, lightning delays I've ever seen happened. Uh, but there was a lightning strike within 8 miles of the stadium. There were storms just south about five, about 10-15 miles south of uh, Kinnick on the radar, and there was a lightning strike within eight miles. But according to the broadcast team, 
Lisa Byington and Anthony Heron, most fans stayed in the stands as it never actually rained at the stadium. So it was officially 41-minute lightning delay, and then the running game really got going, and we scored. So Iowa really got the running game going after that. They ran for almost 300 yards in this game, which is the best since before COVID, believe it or not. Before 2020, I believe it was 29, I believe it was either 2018 or 2019 I read against Middle Tennessee State. This was the most rushing yards in a game by Iowa. They did a very nice job. Um, run blocking was phenomenal. Uh, they added some new running block schemes, I feel like, uh, against Iowa State and uh, Western Michigan that have really worked well for this group in general. Uh, the pass blocking is also a lot better, which is great to see. Because the last couple of years, the offensive line has not been very good. But uh, it's really coming along this year. They're doing a very nice job. Very happy to see the progress that they have made. As I look at this game, of course, 41-10. to 10, It was McNamara's worst game of the season, in my opinion. He threw two picks. He threw two touchdowns. He didn't have, quite have 150 yards. But he did make some very good decisions in this game, generally speaking. I could have said a lot more about these three games, but I wanted to recap them in the shortest way possible. So I'm just going to come in here and say real quick, uh, Caleb Johnson was hurt, did not play. He won't play this upcoming week either. And Patterson got hurt early on, tweaked his ankle. He's week to week as well. Luke Lachey broke his leg. He's done for the year. But all in all, defense is healthy, ready to go with a Big Ten play. But when we talk about this running back group, though, of LaShawn Williams, uh, Moulton, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's a freshman out of Florida, and Terrell Washington Jr., they did a very nice job against Western Michigan. Like I said, ran for almost 300 yards. LaShawn Williams had almost 200 himself of all-purpose yards, including uh, receiving, and Moulton scored two touchdowns. So overall, very great game. Uh, and I'm excited to see these freshmen get a chance um, against our first uh, Big Ten opponent, which is up in Happy Valley against Penn State, uh, 6.30 p.m. on CBS this upcoming Saturday. So make sure you tune into that, as um, it should be a very good ball game. I'm expecting a lot of things from uh, this defense. Um, hopefully LeVar Woods can think of some big things in terms of uh, special teams, uh, in terms of getting blocks, uh, that was a big thing back in 2009. That's what our 2000, yeah, 2009. That's why I brought that up. Look it up if you don't know about it already. It uh, it was quite the game back in 2009 up in Happy Valley. I remember quite well. As um, I think I'm gonna go ahead and move on now. So three and zero Hawks play at Penn State. 6.30, CBS. We'll see how that goes. Going to be a great game overall, I think. But uh, let's move on to Nebraska now. So, um, Nebraska's first three weeks haven't been very good. Now, they did win a game, which we'll get to, but um, I have not been very impressed with this Nebraska team. Now, the defense is fantastic. As they have done a fantastic job. They run a 3-3-5 now, uh, led by Tony White, who was at Syracuse. Matt Rule, of course, their new head coach now. 
And I forget the offensive coordinator's name right off the top of my head, but he was from at Temple when uh, Matt Rule was at Temple and Baylor. So let's uh, go into these games now. Nebraska blew another late lead, believe it or not. First week of the season, Minnesota, they were ahead 10-3 to late in the fourth. And they turned it over three times in the last five minutes and lost uh, 13 to 10 in regulation, believe it or not. This was still in regulation, and they lost 13 to 10. They turned the ball over three times in the last five minutes, and it was the Scott Frost era all over again. I woke up the next morning and laughed my head off. I'm not even kidding. I laughed my head. I laughed my head off. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You lose that game. That was yikes. And I'm not going to get too much into the Nebraska games these first three weeks. They uh, lost to... Everybody's, of course, talking about Colorado. I think Nebraska did a great job against Colorado's offense in the first half. But their, uh, but their defense just couldn't stay off the field. Their defense was on the field for far too long. Nebraska... Scored only two touchdowns in this game. One in garbage time. One in early in the third quarter because of just one flu. Because of just one blown play as Jeff Sims ran it in for a touchdown to begin the third quarter. But turnover bug hit this team in Nebraska. Defense played well again. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to get into very many specifics when it comes to this so far. So. Uh, Northern Illinois, not going to get into many specifics here either, but I did watch the game up through the third quarter. It was still 14-3 at half. It was 14-3 at halftime. Nebraska goes down the field, very first play, or very first drive, excuse me, from uh, scrimmage, scores a touchdown, 7-0 with the backup quarterback. Looking great. Sims couldn't play in this game due to his ankle injury. Then, um, they just kept stalling out. They just kept stalling out until they got good field position at Northern Illinois' 31-yard line in the second quarter, went down, scored. It was 14-3 halftime. Northern Illinois is feeling good. I'm thinking, oh boy, are we going to have another collapse? Are we going to have another situation in which this defense is on the field too long? Well, that wasn't really the case because neither offense could really stay on the field in this game. I went to bed at the end of the third quarter when it, when Nebraska went up 21-3. to That was about 9 o'clock later on that night. I, I went to bed about tw- when it was 21-3. As a Nebraska did not look very good at all. I, I felt, I was not really all that impressed with Nebraska. They did some nice things though offensively. They were able to run the football. Um, Their quarterback looked very good. I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me, so I'm not going to say it here. Uh, and only one turnover for the offense that I saw. So, overall, not too bad at all. Nebraska starts 1-2. and two, Iowa starts 3-0. and oh. Nebraska does play Louisiana Tech, as that is their last non-conference game. Iowa is done with non-conference games entering a week four of the college football season. And speaking of which, we have some great games happening, some Fantastic upsets. As of course, everybody's talking about, you know, Colorado. Everybody's talking about Texas beating Alabama. You know, Texas going over to the SEC next season, which we'll get around to talking about uh, in the offseason with all those um, the realignment moves. We'll talk about that more next se- later on next season as next season hits. But um, 
Man, I'm talking like myself here. I, I said I wouldn't do this, but it is what it is at this point. I'm just trying to get this, you know, you know what I mean. It's, it's been a while since I've recorded one of these, you know. I didn't really give myself any practice runs of this, so I'm kind of winning this episode here. I apologize for the ums and the uhs and, you know, the unprofessionalism in a podcast. You know, I don't like to put those. We talk, I talked about that in week one, or episode one. I did not want to do that. I have any of these slip-ups, really, but it is what it is. So, um... There it goes again. Anyway, Florida beat Tennessee. Upset there. Ohio State's undefeated going to Notre Dame in week four. We've got Michigan, who's been playing really well. Georgia almost got upset by South Carolina. South Carolina was up 14-3 to at the half in that game. That was insane. I, I watched some of that game. I really thought that South Carolina was going to win that ball game. I really thought they were going to win that game. I, I felt really good about that game. Being an upset, heading into um, heading into the third quarter, I felt really good about that. So, um, all in all, it was a great first three weeks of the college football season. Great first couple of weeks of the NFL season. We had some crazy games. Of course, um, big storylines we talk about here. Quick, um, uh, the Bears are zero two. Justin Fields comes out. Calls up the coaching staff, basically. Says that they're... Calls, basically calls them out. I'm just going to put it at that. Uh, Miami starts out 2-0. and With two big wins over the Chargers and the Patriots. The Vikings start out 0-2. And um, when I talk about the Vikings here, I circle one game. And I circle this league's game. Because otherwise, if you're the Vikings... You probably start out 0-6 to begin the season. You will probably start out 0-5, 0-6 to begin the season. So you gotta win this game. As you've got the Chiefs coming up, you go to the Panthers, which I guess can be winnable, but that team has been playing well and in, in some phases of the game. And it's a veteran... Of course, Frank Wright there in Carolina right now. I, I think Carolina could absolutely beat this Minnesota team. There's a real shot of that happening. And then you play the Chiefs. So you start out probably 1, 2, 3, 4, 0, oh, and 5. And then you go to Chicago. Who knows what's going to happen there? That could be your first win. And then you play the 49ers right away, right after that. And then you go to Green Bay. And then you go to a really good Falcons team. So the Minnesota Vikings are not in a very good spot right now in general. Now, they did trade for Cam Akers, of course, which is big. After the, the Madison situ Madsen situation, where he hasn't been doing all that well. Nick Chubb, of course, gets hurt. Moving on now from the Vikings, Nick Chubb gets hurt. Kareem Hunt comes in now this week. Takes over the running back role in Cleveland. Prayers up for Nick Chubb. It was an awful injury. I saw it. I I didn't see it live. I didn't catch it live. I saw the replay and some other like replays on Twitter of it, and I knew he he was done. I mean, I I 
Alright, it's that breaking news coming. Uh, Bryce Young did not practice again today, and, and Andy Dalton's going to start in Seattle for the Panthers. So, something to keep in mind. If you're a Vikings fan, uh, keeping an eye on that Bryce Young injury. But anyway, um, what was I talking about again? Crap, I forgot. I just had an alert come up on my phone. I'm sorry. Anyway, um... Oh, that's right, the Vikings... Uh, so, surprise teams for me. I'm just going to forget what I talked. So, surprise teams to me. Falcons, really good. Miami. I'm also going to put Seattle in that conversation. I know they haven't played the best, but I'll tell you what. They, they've done some really good things. I think they can steal a wild card spot. San Francisco, you go down to Pittsburgh and dominate them the way you did. And you, do and you beat... LA on the road the way you did. You start out 2-0 like that. I mean, the Rams, I mean, that's insane. That is one heck of a start for you. If you are a 49ers fan, that's one heck of a start for you. And then, of course, we talk about uh, Green Bay real quick. 1-1, one one, they beat the Bears, and then they blew the lead at the Falcons. They blew a late lead at the Falcons, who are 2-0. Arthur Smith has done one heck of a job down there. I cannot say enough how... I cannot tell you enough how much I like the job that Arthur Smith has done in in Atlanta. I, I, I truly think at this point, if they start out 3-0, 3-1, 4-0 there in Atlanta, he's Coach of the Year candidate for me. He's, he's my favorite at that point for Coach of the Year. And Desmond Rid Ritter has done a fantastic job. Fantastic job. He's not putting up the splash numbers like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes put up, but he's efficient and he is doing his job. And quite frankly, for me, that's all I really care about when it comes to analyzing NFL play. If you do your job and you can just go out there and execute, I don't care about yardage. If you go out there and execute and do your job, I don't care about yardage. I don't care about any of that. Just do your job. I don't care. You're executing. You're winning games. I don't care. So, um, I think that's it for the NFL talk for the most part. We'll get more in depth as I release more episodes. Um, next week I'll get more in depth with everything uh, going on in week three. We'll look at standings, all that stuff. In we'll look at standings in the college game and in the NFL game. So I'll get more in depth later on, but uh, let's talk about uh, the last thing I wanted to discuss. One of the last things I wanted to discuss real quick was some uh, big news out of the NBA or just uh, the other day, as HBO Max has uh, gotten a deal with the NBA. Now this isn't like a new media. Now this is probably part of the media deal stuff that they're doing because remember the NBA media deal ends at the end of the 2024-2025 season which is not this upcoming season, but the season after. So, the NBA is going to be doing 65 games throughout the entire season. They're going to be doing, they're going to be, also be streaming the Inside the NBA show on TNT, and they're also going to have 65 games all for free. That's right, all for free through February. I mean, that's awesome. That is awesome. And of course, like I talked about, they're just doing this probably as a test in the streaming market to see how it does, would be my guess. 
Uh, because remember, their new media deal, like I just said, expi their current media deal expires at the end of the 2024-2025 season. I hope they get some sort of a streaming deal. They probably will, especially with what the NFL did with YouTube TV. And um, I think HBO, with all the NBA content they've done, they put on HBO, like the original shows they've done, I think that HBO would actually be a really good platform for them. I really do. I, I think if you're to go to a streaming service, if you're the NBA, I think you either go with Disney Plus with um Hulu, you know, and ESPN Plus, or you go with HBO because the NFL already has NFL. Or, or because the NFL already has YouTube and they already have Amazon. And the Big Ten has Peacock. So, where else do you go to get your exclusive ex exclusivity? Of course, um, ESPN Plus has got SEC. So, where do you go for your streaming exclusivity? Exclusivity. I see you go either Disney, or you go HBO Max. And I think HBO Max is where they'll they'll end up going, which I think is fantastic for them to add a sports package in general. I think it'd be awesome. With all the general sports shows that they do, like late at night, like um, their real sports, like they show at like 9, 10 o'clock or whatever it is, like their late night sports weekly shows that they do, I think it'd be awesome to see HBO Max carry NBA games. I think it would be really cool. Now, the other thing, speaking of the NBA TV media deal, that I do want to say right now, remember what the NHL did with TBS and TNT? Give me that. For the NBA as well. Now, I love the fact that NHL got a deal done with TNT and TBS. And there's all these games on both channels. Give me that with the NBA also. Give me that with the NBA as well. And I'm not kidding. Look, I don't mind the fact that... Like, I, I do miss... Big NHL games on NBC every Sunday. But I love what they're doing with all these weekday night games. I love what they're doing with every single game being on ESPN Plus as well. I watched quite a bit of hockey this year. Okay, I watched quite a bit of hockey because of this. And it was a lot of fun. I don't understand hockey, but it was a lot of fun. I know I'm rambling on here, but I think this is something that the NBA needs to seriously consider with HBO Max. And they need to seriously consider putting TBS and TNT in their media deal with the, uh, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie Johnson, and uh, Charles Barkley and the guys over at TNT and inside the NBA. Oh boy, what else do I want to talk about today? Do I want to mention anything else before I get off? I don't think so. So I'm just going to end it here, guys. Uh, Hawkeyes play at Penn State on Saturday night. 6.30 CBS, Nebraska plays Louisiana Tech, 2.30 on the Big Ten Network. Thank you all for stopping by, and I will see you all, uh, hopefully next week I'll have an episode up. I'm praying that I'll, keep praying that I'll be able to get an episode up next week, talking about week four in college football and week three in the NFL, as well as taking a look more in depth into those weeks with standings and stats and catching you guys all up on my thoughts. Heading into the next week. Oh, one more thing. Fantasy football team. Completely forgot. 
This is basically your PS. I am 1-1. One one. I started out with a very dominant win on week 1, won by 35 points. Did a team did a fantastic job. Balanced play. Week 2, I scored 188 points and lost. That's right. I scored 188 points and lost. I'm not very happy, but all I did was I just tipped my cap to my opponent that week. I just tipped my cap to him on that game because I... He just beat me out, man. He just beat me out. I, I The team did fantastic. I, there's nothing more the team could have done. They, they all did a fantastic job. But, man. It just shows the depth, though, on my team. My bench was fantastic. So, it just shows the depth on my team. I'm really confident in this fantasy football team moving forward this season. I'm excited to see. And, of course, I'll be giving weekly updates on that, too. So, anyway. Um, thank you all for stopping by. Like I said, go Hawks this week at Penn State. And uh, 6.30 CBS. And I will see you all hopefully early next week. Have a great day, y'all. And we'll talk later.